Hi, welcome back to another episode of You the Mother podcast by Abby Williams, a space dedicated to supporting, empowering, and connecting all parents in all seasons of parenthood. You can find more supportive content over on Instagram and TikTok at You the Mother, and be sure to check out the blog over at youthemother.com where you can reach out to work with me one-on-one. Be sure to sign up for the email list because my email list is always the first to know all the exciting things that are coming our way. And if you did not sign up for navigating the holidays support group, this is the last week before doors close. This group is for those of us who are estranged, cycle breakers, or just navigating hard family stuff this holiday season. I so believe in the power of community, so I definitely want you to join. In today's episode, I am welcoming on Dr. Missy Greider. Dr. Missy is the founder of Meeting Kids Needs, an online support group for elementary school families that gives parents the latest research on important social and emotional learning topics and makes the research practical and easy to apply. Meeting Kids Needs gives parents all we need to raise emotionally intelligent kids and positively connect with our kids on a deep level. Meeting Kids Needs is ultimately about transforming our family's emotional legacy. Dr. Missy has served children and families for over two decades and has extensive experience as an elementary and university educator. Prior to founding Meeting Kids Needs, Dr. Missy developed the Body Safety Box, an evidence-based child abuse prevention education kit that has served children in 31 states and four countries to date. In today's episode, we chat all about how to help our children recognize and manage stress. Stress is a normal part of the human experience, but there are tools and skills that we can learn to understand how stress shows up in our body, how we can manage it, and how we can build resiliency. It would have been so nice to have started adulthood with this framework. So let's help our children do that. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. You can find more of Dr. Missy's work over on her website at www.meetingkidsneeds.com or over on Instagram at meetingkidsneeds. She is also offering a complimentary one-hour coaching session to one listener who she will select randomly to enter, download the free lesson over at meetingkidsneeds.com. And the recipient will be notified one week after this episode airs by email. Listeners can also use the coupon code U in all capital letters at checkout for special pricing on Meeting Kids Needs signature course. I hope that you enjoy today's episode, and if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started in supporting you, the mother. Missy, welcome to You the Mother podcast. I'm so excited that you are joining us here today because I think as adults, we struggle with managing stress. So if we can help our little people do it, I think they'll be set up a little bit better than some of us are. So thank you for being here. Tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for having me, Abby. And truly, stress is something that we're all going to have to deal with throughout our life, and we're all in a learning curve. So let's just learn all we can today about getting it better for ourselves and for our kids. So thank you so much for having me. A little bit about me. I help parents help their kids to handle their feelings, especially the tough feelings. And my background is in elementary education. I taught 
taught first and second graders for many years. And as a new teacher starting out, I always wanted to help create classrooms with children where they felt really seen, known, welcomed, and valued. And I feel like unfortunately, societally as a whole, we've turned our kids into test scores and they aren't known as school and known in school as well as they should be or could be. And to me, that just feels tragic. You know, they're this individual, lovely little person. And instead, we're kind of all lumping them together as test scores, which is really unfortunate. And what we've learned research wise, Abby, about human development and health is it's the social and emotional learning and health those skills are actually the greatest predictors of relational and professional success in adulthood. So we've got all this emphasis in academics and I get it. I, you know, I'm an academic person myself, but there's, it's just the overemphasis. you know, it's not about all the academics and all the extracurriculars. It's the human skills that our kids really need most and are sadly often taught the least. And then it's just a perpetuating cycle, you know? So my gifts and talents in my work are I love to study, I love to learn, and I love to teach. And my latest project is called Meeting Kids Needs, where I do the homework for parents and I read as much research as I can on important social and emotional learning topics and create short and really easy to watch video lessons with super practical action-oriented steps for parents so they can actually apply the research into their home. And then I design fun, hands-on activities for parents and kids to do to together around all the social emotional learning topics. Yeah, no, and I totally agree like what you're saying. I think that we do forget that all these students in the classroom are people. They're humans. They're little humans, they're humans and they need to be humans. valued and loved and known. <laughs> so I, I agree. So why do you feel like our kids are more stressed or are they more stressed today than they were years ago? You know, they really are more stressed than they are years ago. You know, looking back at our own childhoods, I'm older than you are, but I mean, I didn't grow up with social media, you know, and just, uh, there are just so many more pressures. And if we look society as where we are now versus where we were even in 2019. So if we look back to pre-pandemic 2019, there were still a ton of books coming out on, you know, trying to stop the hurry and trying to stop the frantic pace of life that was the norm at that time. So there was a already the, the frantic thing going on. And our kids were bombarded with that pace too, which I think sometimes we don't realize this is all trickling down to our kids. They're feeling this, you know, there wasn't enough downtime not enough undirected, unscheduled play, not enough agency or autonomy or choices for our kids, just kind of more of a rush here, rush there type of an existence where, you know, I'm thinking back to some kids that I know with wonderful, well-intentioned parents. They were rushing to do their homework. They were doing homework in their car on the way to activities, you know, and hours and hours of homework in middle school and high school for our kids. And I mean, these high school kids pulling all-nighters. I pulled one all-nighter in college and I was commencement speaker in college. Like it, it's just too much pressure way too soon. And then came the pandemic. So yes, our pace slowed for a while, but with that slowing of the pace, which that part was positive, but it came with so many negatives, all the fear, all the uncertainty, the loss, the grief, the social isolation. So collectively, I know as adults, just our reserves are just tanked and they still are. So when we think about our kids in stress, we wanna think about a couple things, Abby. First of all, the root causes. So how do we get at the roots and really change the things that we do have agency over and the things we do have control over and eliminate what we can, the self-imposed things. So when things come at our kids you know, and at us as adults, we have the reserves to 
to, you know, be able to navigate these things that we can't control. Because our kids aren't going to have a stress-free life. We aren't going to. But if we can manage those controllable things and mitigate those first, then we've got something left in the tank, you know, to address things when those things that inadvertently happen to us that we just can't control in life. So our kids today, compared with our kids years ago, I just see so many more pressures. You know, the lack of meaningful human connection loss of identity and a sense of purpose. And I know at the time of this recording, it's the beginning of the school year in 2022, but at the end of last school year, just the shootings, you know, uh, uh, you know, when school should be a place of safety for kids and we have kids afraid to go to school, even our little kids and parents afraid to send them and for good reason, you know, um, the pressures of technology and social media and the I love this term. I saw this in some literature. It's just the relentless exposure to the world and all of its hurts. I had seen that in one study, too, that we aren't really designed as humans to take in more than about 150 others and the things that are going on with them. And we're taking on everything globally. We're exposed to everything globally right. and we're kind of taking it on. And we're in, our bodies aren't designed for that. It's, it's just it's much. just too much for everybody. Yeah. For, if it's too much for me as a middle-aged woman, I mean, how much is it for a kindergartner, you know? I agree. So, yeah. Yeah. and the the good news is, Abby, is that the is that there is hope. You know, we can do right. things in our homes. We can create family cultures and emotional climates in our homes that can definitely help to buffer these societal pressures and influences. And we can make our homes just a place of refuge for us, for our spouses, for our kids. And we can we can learn how to do that. And most of us, as we're talking about, just didn't grow up with these skills to manage stress. So we can learn these things as adults and we can in turn pass them on to our children and really set them up for just a better, more life-giving, sustainable way of life as adults when they, yeah. when they grow up. I love like that you were talking about kind of like the pressure the kids are under because I was sitting on the soccer field with another parent last night. Wow. Right? And yep. we were kind of talking about some of the pressures from the parents get, right? Yes. And we were talking about youth sports. Uh-huh. And, you know, my, my oldest is 12 now. When he first started in sports, he was hard into baseball. Yes. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Yes. But like by age eight, if you're not picked up by a select team, you're out. Wow. And it's like, and you have to be like going to the camps and you have to be getting extra coaching and you have to be practicing year round or you're not going to make it on the high school team. Right. Wow. And so like, this is like being drilled into you. And that's a second or third grader, second or third grader. So it ruined it for him. He was like, I'm out. I don't want to do this. And you know, and I'm like, oh, that's fine. Like, if he would have been passionate about it, we would have ran with it. Sure. But also, like, what is, I don't know, you know, you kind of, so we're, like, chatting about some of these youth sports things mm-hmm. on the sideline at soccer practice, and it's like, that it's robbing these little people of their childhood. Because yes. now, yes. their whole world is going to school, and then baseball, 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 or right. soccer, 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 right. that sport that you have to get so right. You know, and you're traveling on the weekends with that team and you're doing and you're playing games on a Sunday. You're I mean, it's seven days a week for our little kids. And And so it's just way too much. It is kind of saying that like now we're both like we've kind of pulled back with both of our families. We just do like these rec teams. Yes. Like low commitment. Right. And the kids are just like showing up and having fun with their peers and they're running, you know, and I'm like, I want you to be engaged in inactivities. But like how much is too much? Yes. And you know, I'm seeing too in line with what you're talking about, like, like the overuse injuries with a kid. 
Right. Like the little kids are having overuse injuries and it's like, well, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not normal. It's not normal. I know mm-hmm. it's too mm-hmm. much. So how do you feel like we help the stress response and develop some resiliency? Yes. Well, let's look first at the difference between the actual stress and the stressor because they're two different things. So we want to make sure that we define those really accurately. So the stressor is the event that's causing the stress and the stress or the stress response, like what we think of as that fight, flight, or freeze response. That's the physical reaction that's happening in our child's body and in our bodies for that matter. So it's those chemicals that are released and all of the discomfort that happens in our child's body. So think racing heart, hypervigilance, the rapid shallow breathing, the tense muscles. So that's the actual stress. And then let's look at the stressors, like some typical stressors for our kids. And, you know, we're in the back to school time here. For our kids, they can be anything from our little kids to our, you know, older kids. They can be anything from being worried that they won't have anyone to play with on the playground or those feelings of being left out or that maybe math is too hard or reading is too hard. Maybe for an older kid, they aren't keeping up with their peers on their college applications. Even things like body image issues. Uh, I do another body image lesson in our Meeting Kids Needs course, and I had seen that body image is one of the number one worries for our kids around the age of 10. So, I mean, that's even a huge one, and we think that, oh, that's not happening that young, and it is, you know? so even in elementary school, our kids have these stressors, even also kids with tendencies towards perfectionism. And I'm raising both hands. I was the, I was the kid who, instead of my mom nagging me to do my homework, because she was the mom that had to take it away because I was redoing it to my satisfaction. And it's like, wow, what's up with that? <laughs> you know, and my parents weren't putting that on me. I was putting that on myself. And certain kids have certain personalities. And I think that's something to be even extra aware of. If you have a perfectionistic leaning kid, you know, how can you help your kid manage that even more, you know? So, and then the stress is the physical reaction in our child's body to those events. So there are some stressors we can certainly help our kids with and some that are beyond our control. And throughout our lives, we're gonna have agency over a lot. And at the same time, there are life circumstances that are also beyond our control. So how can we set up our kids to grow into adulthood with really life-giving, soul-nourishing rhythms and rituals that become a part of who they are, and they're customized for each individual kid, depending on how they're made and wired, and are really flexible for each season. So... We can help our kids to learn how to complete the stress cycle and daily move these uncomfortable feelings out of their bodies. And constant calm, thankfully, isn't the goal because it's not super realistic, but instead it's being able to move through and metabolize the stress and to have flexibility after excitement or challenge or adventure or adversity and move back into calm after after that stress. So with our younger kids, with our elementary school age kids, we can help them to, first of all, identify where their bodies are feeling uncomfortable from stress. So I know for me, like my telltale signs, and they're going to be different for every adult and every kid, but my telltale signs for me when I'm stressed are racing heart and just kind of feeling amped in my head. Like for you, Abby, what do you notice when you're stressed? Like what are your kind of go-tos? 
I call it like my bot, like my insides just feel like on fire. Yeah. I'm yep. Like, I just like my whole nervous system is just like pumping. Yes. Like, oh, I'm just like on fire. Yes. So just that yeah. that level of discomfort, and our kids are feeling yeah. that too. So I love this activity for for kids where you just with your phone you can take a picture of your kid from head to toe, just print it out, and then with younger kids I would say maybe pre K through about fifth grade you can take those little round circle spot band aids, you know those little tiny band aids, and as a kid they would be kind of fun because they were little you know just so giving your kid some of those and really helping them to find on the picture of themselves where do they feel the stress in their bodies and what does that feel like for them so bringing that whole body awareness and self-awareness piece to it to that for younger kids I think is super important and then older kids that's even valuable and you can take a post-it note and just kind of trim it so that there's a little bit of sticky on each little long thin piece and your kids can write on there and then also label on their body how particularly they're feeling where they're noticing the stress in their body and then you can go into ways of how to complete that stress cycle so think about your kids and think about yourself and which of these would appeal to you and these aren't things that we haven't heard of before but here's the deal we're not doing them so we've got to do them okay so the physical activity so having 20 to 60 minutes of moving your body enough to get you breathing deeply. And that's the key, moving your body enough to have you breathing deeply. So for most people, it's about 20 to 60 minutes a day. I have gone through periods in my life where I'm great at it, gone through periods in my life where it's not happening. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm in one of the it's not happening and I'm trying to toggle back into what I know is good for me, you know, and we've all been there. We've all been there. Um, the deep breathing. It's, this is so interesting, like the deep breathing and the stress response are incompatible in the same body. So when you're breathing deeply, it's going to lower it and it's free, it's accessible, we can do it anywhere. And it's learning some specific techniques for ourselves and for our kids. And even modeling that in front of our kids, I think is so important because then it's, it's like, this is something that mommy does and it becomes then a norm for them. You know, it's just something that they automatically do, which ideally is what we want for all these practices. We want them to become norms for our kids throughout their lives. Then friendly social interaction is huge. Laughter is huge. And if you know your kids love language, and I know for younger kids, they're kind of still developing. But if you know that you have a physical touch love language kid, a 20 second hug is huge. Like that will signal safety to your body. And I read recently too, that one of the things that helps that to really work is if each of the two people are standing and holding their own weight. You know, so it's like two people coming together and that's when that hug really has that, oh, you know, just <laughs> the, that stress release kind of um, effect after the 20 second hug. And with your spouse for the moms, having a six second kiss with your spouse, that can also signal safety to your body. And that's a good like connection thing with your spouse too, where when we're stressed, sometimes that's not happening as much as we want it to. <laughs> so uh, another thing too is a good cry a good cry will really release the stress. And I know for me, I have a good cry playlist on my phone where, I mean, I just know. And sometimes when I've got that amp in my head, which is one of my stress things, I know that I'm going to feel so much better when I cry. And either the need a good cry playlist for me, or there's like specific scenes and specific movies I can go to. And it's just like, okay, sob fest. And I know I'm going to feel a lot better. And for me, just on a totally personal note, I'm 
gone through and I'm still in the middle just of one of my top stressor experiences in my life. I, my precious dad just went to heaven six months ago and yeah, just so thank you. Thank you. It's been just so hard. He's just an adored presence in my yeah. life and it's been so, so very hard. And so I, I'm in the middle of the massive stress. I a thousand percent get it. And my experience obviously isn't a, um, you know, a unique one. We're all going to lose our parents or we're all going to go through a time where we lose somebody that we really adore. And for me, my faith has been such a protective factor. And even the American Psychological Association talks about that. So um, for me, I come from a Christian background and I just love that God himself in Psalm 56, 8 collects our tears in a bottle and he himself will wipe all our tears from our eyes. And just to know that you've got someone bigger than you that is with you during your grief and is grieving with you. And as I had taken a brief staycation and I came across a scripture that was so comforting and I had never seen it in this, in this translation before. It's when Jesus was going to comfort Martha at the death of Lazarus, Lazarus, excuse me, and he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, but yet he was so grieved by the sorrow, and it said to the point of anger at the sorrow caused by death, and it was so comforting for me to go, Jesus is angry that I have to be so upset by this. This isn't what he wants for us, so just taking comfort in that was massive, and you know, how can we set up our kids with practices in general that are really going to give them something to anchor onto in these really hard times, you know, Yeah. that yeah. we're all going to face. So, and I love what you're doing with you, the mother, Abby, and really letting our kids see us model taking care of ourselves. Right. That's massive. I think it, I think it is really important. And I think it's also important to kind of model that we all have these yes. stressors. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. Yes. The stress is normal, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. while we can manage it or, you know, it doesn't have to be so stressful in certain pockets. You sure. Know, we can do things to lighten our load. Yes, right? yes, yes. But like stress is just going to be a normal thing. Grief I can't keep my normal. dad here throughout my entire lifespan. Yeah, if I could yeah. have, I would, you know, yeah, and you I know? couldn't. And yep. it's like the loss of a person, yes. the loss of an experience, or yes. we're all going to go through grief throughout yes. our life mm -hmm. you know you think about the pandemic and yes. that's like a big grieving thing for a lot of people for sure know? and so I think modeling while I think grief is so unique and it is you know specific to each of us we all grieve yes. very very our own mm -hmm. um, but normalizing I think that we go through these things is also comforting for our yes people. yes and the whole word normalizing that is just yeah. a huge thing like the best thing we can do is an anti-shame, and this is, you know, not super related, but yet in a way it is. The biggest way we can kind of inoculate our kids from shame is normalizing all these things for them, that it's a normal part of the human experience, and that's a huge part of self-compassion, which is massive. Um, also, to just anything related to stress, I, lo I love how this language was put together, taking radical care of our body taking radical care of our body. So that's just massive. And you know, the more we take care of ourselves, the better it is for our children. I think sometimes as mom, we, moms, we can default into, oh, you know, I'm not doing enough for them if I'm taking care of myself. It's like, no, you are helping them. You are improving everything for them and for you by taking radical care of yourself. And I just think like, you know, I don't want my kids when they're done, right? Right. <laughs> they're out of the house and they're launched. Right. I don't want them to turn into like this burnout version like I am. Oh my goodness. You know, and burnout. So I don't want yes. that to be the normalized part. 
Right. I don't want right. that for them. Right. Well, you're look how, look at the good things you're doing in yeah. helping yourself to not be there. Yeah. You know, and helping yeah. other moms to not be there, and that's huge. That's huge because yeah. we can so we can so collectively just... yep, we can collectively as a society make these changes to say, you know what, yeah. that's not a badge of honor. It's not. You know, right. what is good best for ourselves and for our kids is to do this radical self care because otherwise we've got nothing. And where does that leave everybody? You know. Right. Right. So any mama who's listening who has mom guilt around taking care of herself, just know you're doing it for them. You're doing it for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this too. Using language like, so talking about us as moms modeling with language that our kids are going to pick up on that's really healthy language, saying something like, you know, I'm noticing I'm feeling kind of frazzled right now. I'm noticing it in my body here. You know, my heart's a little racy. I'm feeling a little amped in my head. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go take a break for a few minutes. I'm going to do some brief deep breathing to help my body calm down. And I'm going to ask God for his help if that's something that that's consistent with your, you know, belief system. So helping our kids to really, that language in, you know, saying I'm noticing that I'm feeling frazzled, you're not saying I am frazzled. I'm noticing that I'm feeling frazzled. And there's a distinction because you're separating yourself from the feeling. And so the feeling there is a temporary thing. It's something that you're going to move through and it's information that's going to pass through. So not labeling the whole I am blank as a feeling word. I am blank as a feeling word. Instead, instead using language like I'm noticing that I'm feeling blank. So I think that's an important distinction in the language and we can use that with ourselves and for our kids too. Yeah. Let's kind of talk about some of our teens. I work yes. with teens and I feel like... It's a whole different. It's a whole game. thing. Yeah, it's a whole it's different a whole thing. Different ball game. It is. Um, I think like they have a lot of new or more pressures than probably probably pe- previously previous generations. Absolutely. Um, I did an interview with some sleep consultants during last season, and they said that this generation of teens is the most sleep deprived generation on the planet right now oh absolutely because they're pulling all-nighters at 14 and that yeah yeah that's what you were saying you know so like do you agree do you think that this is normal like I don't know how do we help them here's here are my thoughts on it I think it is the norm and it's common but it's not normal so it's common but it's not normal. And even thinking about physiologically the teenage body and sleep, there's even research on here we are starting a zero hour for our high school kids at 0700 when really physiologically their bodies aren't kicking into like 10 ish or so a.m. So they need more. They need so much more sleep than little people. And so (laughs) here they are. I mean, they're the kind of stereotypical teenage getting up late time in the morning, it's a thing because it's real because their bodies need that much extra sleep and they don't start kicking in until later in the morning. So, you know, and I don't have the autonomy to change the, the school start time, but, you know, we can start having these conversations and start getting it changed. But until then, it's just like it really isn't the norm for these kids. And I think it's going along with what I mentioned earlier of doing the homework in the car and doing all the all-nighters and things. And it just... um it isn't good for kids. I had read a really fascinating book, Abby, and I learned a ton from it. It's written by the former dean of freshmen at Stanford, you know, so for, you know, some parents can think, oh, this is my holy grail of getting my kid to this fancy school and everything. And so her name is Julie Lifecott Hames, and she goes into really great detail about the 18-year-olds that she worked with and how they would have what she called a concierge childhood, and it wasn't helping them. 
they were getting to college and they had a real lack of identity and purpose. These are kids who, from the time they were young kids, had everything scheduled for them. Things were planned ahead and chosen for them. It was a very scripted, very overscheduled type of childhood. And I'm sure the parents were well-intentioned. And you know, for the parents, it was all about getting the top schools for their kid, the top extracurriculars, the top activities, and not about the kids as unique people that are made in God's image, who have their own unique gifts and talents and hopes and dreams and interests, and no one knew what those were, you know. So these kids didn't have downtime or choices or agency, and instead it created a real lack of resilience in them. So here are kids who know Latin, but they can't do a load of laundry. They can't navigate, you know, they really cannot, they do not have the skills to navigate a a roommate issue or to even in some cases wake up for class without a wake-up call from their folks. And one story in the book that struck me so hard of how this is just truly backfiring is uh, an attorney and his mom had pushed him his whole life into law school and beyond. And shocker, you know, hashtag shocker, he hated practicing law, you know, so he didn't even, because it wasn't about him, it had nothing to do with him, he was just pushed in a direction, and he didn't even know what his purpose or identity was, you know, and he didn't even talk with his mom anymore, and he only communicated with his dad, because it had been that, you know, isolating for him, and just, I mean, he was so resentful, and kind of rightfully so, you know, and that's the last thing we want for our kids is to be in something, in some career that they hate that's, you know, contrary to their passions, and then having an alienated relationship, you know, with our own kids, which is the last thing we want. So even if society values the push and the achievement and the hustle culture and being about performance and appearance and income, we can go against that. We can opt out. We can co-create family cultures with our kids that value purpose and connection and life-giving relationships and joy and rest and really doing meaningful work. And we can ask questions. We can ask great questions like, what are the treasures in my child? What are my child's gifts and talents and passions? How can I nurture these in an atmosphere of possibility? And I love this visual too, like if you think of a Venn diagram, you know, with those overlapping circles, I like these three overlapping circles for older kids. So what are you interested in? What are you good at? And what's going to provide financially or how can you monetize that? Because we all have to pay our bills. We can't always do passion projects, but yet we can have that overlapping. It's just one piece of the puzzle where you can find that sweet spot of things that do all of them, you know. And for me, when I talk with kids that are in high school or early college students, I think their question so often is, oh, what are you going to major in? Or, oh, what are you going to do? And instead, what about a question like, what are you thinking about for your first contribution out of school? What are you excited about contributing? You know, even like that first contribution, I like that language because kids are going to do lots of things. And I think there's such pressure of, oh, I've got to choose this thing right now, you know? And goodness, I mean, I don't want to choose something for the rest of my life. You know, I know I love social emotional learning. I love my passions, but I'm going to keep doing different projects along the same same vein, you know? And I think this is saying to kids, these better questions are saying to our kids, you have great things to offer. Your contribution matters. What you want matters and what you value matters. So I love that. I do too. Missy, what do you feel like are like some practical steps that parents can implement right away to help children recognize and manage stress? Sure. Well, I have three ways to help our kids recognize stress and then three ways to help our kids manage stress. So why don't I share those? So 
Great. So first of all, in recognizing stress, number one, step one, we want to first identify the cause of the stress called the stressor, which we've touched on a little bit. And just really remembering that the cause of the stress is called the stressor and it's different from that physiological response, which is the stress. And you know, another thing to be aware of too that I haven't mentioned yet is, is the cause of the stress perhaps something that you need to intermediate excuse me, to immediately intervene with as a parent. So if your kid's safety is involved, of course you're going to intervene right away. So I just want to make sure that I'm blatantly stating that, just making sure that we're aware of safety concerns. And, you know, in other situations, just really using this time to connect with our kids and using language like, you know, tell me what's going on. I'm noticing you might feel stressed. Is that right? Tell me more. Just, you know, really connecting with your child and empathizing and really understanding where your child feels that response in his or her body. So that's step one in helping your child recognize the stress. Step two, step two is helping your child to name the precise feeling word for the stress he or she feels. So there's the overall stress response and there's where it is in your body. And then there's the emotional vocabulary word for it. So you can feel stressed and also feel frenzied or maybe overtired or maybe overwhelmed, maybe sad or angry. So we want to get at that feeling word too. And the free lesson I have on meetingkidsneeds.com for parents will totally help them do that. So that's free, that's available for you, and it totally goes along with our conversation today. So really naming the precise feeling word, that'll help to build your child's emotional vocabulary. And there's also research to support it, Abby, where even giving that precise feeling word to what's going on with your child automatically will start to lower the stress levels in the body from a chemical standpoint, which is great. And then so step three, so first step one, we've identified the cause of the stress or the stressor. Step two, we've helped our child to name that precise feeling word for the stress. And step three, in recognizing stress, we're going to ask our, ch our child where he or she notices the stress in their body. And we've gone into that, and that's a really important way to, you know, get that self-awareness piece going for our kids. So then we've recognized the stress. We want to help them manage the stress. So our first step there is we're gonna go back to the cause of the stress. We really wanna closely and honestly examine the root cause. And, you know, along with the pace of our family's life, as we all look to returning to kind of normal-ish in, in this phase of what we've been through after these years of the pandemic. So asking ourselves good questions like, you know, would our family better thrive with less on the to-do list? How can we accomplish that? You know, what's going to be good for all of us health-wise as a family? What could we eliminate from our family schedule to create a calmer pace if that's one of the things that's causing some of the stress, you know, root cause-wise? Then step two, um, really making regular space in our family's life for both fun physical movement and deep relaxation. So both of those things, you know, how can we make physical movement just a fun, normal thing? Maybe it's something as simple as going on a quick family walk after dinner something like that where it's just a ritual that just happens and it's that movement and it's also that kind of side-by-side -side connection that's so important for our kids especially as they get older that can sometimes you get out more things that are really going on with them than the face-to-face -face, you know which I think can be super helpful um, even fun things like a little dance party ritual when you're you know, doing the dishes or an after-school dance party, just do those little fun pieces of physical movement that are going to help to offshoot some of these stress chemicals and just make everybody physiologically feel better. Also, one thing that I had, I excuse me, one thing I had incorporated in my own morning routine for years, and I need to get back with it in the season I'm in, is Dr. Herbert Benson from Harvard. He had 
uh, kind of coined the term relaxation response. And what's so cool about it, it's the opposite of the fight, flight, or freeze. So it's the opposite. And for 12 minutes in the morning, there's something special about the 12 minutes to where it really starts to kick things in phys physiologically. But just long story short, you just breathe in and then you um, have an out breath through your mouth and inside your head, you're just saying to yourself, it can be a word or a phrase or a scripture or whatever, but 12 minutes of that and it even epigenetically, it will turn on more positive genes for you. So it's amazing just these relaxation practices. It's like they're not fluff. They're not woo-woo. They are like scientifically backed and they really help. So just making regular space for even something that's a 12-minute relaxation response and a 5-10 minute walk. I mean, those are massive and they're taking 20 minutes and we how much we can we can hang with 20 minutes. Another yeah. thing that's been really helpful for me is the one minute pause app. Uh, John yeah. Eldridge, who's been a, a therapist for over 30 years, put it together and he has one minute, three minute, five minute and 10 minute pauses. We've got mm -hmm. a minute if you have to go to the bathroom to get your minute and close your door. I mean, right. you really we've got this and these things really help our bodies just to get back into a better, calmer, healthier pace which is huge. Yeah. Uh, step three, so trying several different breathing techniques with our kids and, you know, really specifically doing that. So relaxation response is going to be one. There's also that four, seven, eight breathing technique. So you're breathing in, in for four, holding for seven and a long out breath through your mouth for eight. And doing that, it'll start to bring some calm pretty quickly. So just having those kind of pull out from your back pocket type things, you know, that are helpful strategies for ourselves as moms and for our kids, you know, those are really gonna just give your kids practical strategies and different things that they grow up with that become a part of their norm, which I think is super helpful. Yeah, I think so too. And I think if you're able to like, normalize your own stress right and your yep. own like I need to work on my breathing so yep. mommy needs to do some breathing like yep. when you're tiny if you can get them when yes. you're tiny and like here come breathe with me and like that they're practicing this like when they're calm so when they're stressed you can get them into their own breathing it's really really helpful for if sure I don't when they were tiny and they're a little bit bigger don't stress it's about still it. okay no don't yep. yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. I and um bear with me I don't remember if I um, mentioned this or not yet but I want to make sure that yeah. I do um so Linda Lantieri she is a real pioneer in the field of social and emotional yeah. learning she's worked in it for 40 years she has a book called building emotional intelligence. And she and Dan Goleman, who's like the father of emotional intelligence, they've yeah. both been in the profession for a very, very long time. Um, there's a CD, and I know it's old school, but if you can get it onto your phone, um, they have specific practices for primary grade kids and intermediate grade kids. And one of the things is called breathing buddies, where little tiny kids put a stuffed animal on their tummy and they're laying down. And Dan Goldman will walk them through this little practice with their breathing and watching their animal go up and down and stuff. And it's really phenomenal. I've done it with summer school kids uh, that come from a very underserved area and they loved it. It's been really, really valuable. So that's just a yeah. practical thing too, that your kid can just have some quiet time in his or her room. They can be doing their thing. You're doing your thing. You know, maybe it's just an after school kind of decompressed practice that just becomes a family right. norm, which could be super helpful. Right. I love that. Let's see. 
Thank you for joining me today. This was such an important conversation. And, you know, I know that we're in the beginning of the school year. So I know that there's lots of feelings. And yes. The rest of the school year gets busy and gets away with us, gets away from us. So thank you for giving us some of these tools to be using. Thank you um, so much for having me, Abby. Yeah. Tell me, listeners, where they can find you. Yes, I am. The best place to find me is on my website, meetingkidsneeds.com. And there's a free lesson for you right there. And it's all on uh, helping your kids develop that emotional vocabulary. So it really, you know, plays off of our conversation today. I'm also active on Instagram at meetingkidsneeds. And one really fun thing that I've started this school year is reaching entire school communities with with meeting kids needs, which is great. Mm -hmm. I love just reaching a broader section of people in addition to individual families. So DM me on Instagram. I'd love to serve your child's school. And Abby, thank you for all the great work you're doing. And thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here, Missy. All of those will be linked in the description of this podcast. And Missy, thank you for helping us find you the mother. My pleasure. Thank you, Abby. Abby.